Well, let's see if we did all this right. Hopefully everybody out there in uh, TV land or internet land can, uh, can see us and hear us. And uh, welcome. It is so good to have all of you with us today. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, we are... We're so grateful for your many blessings that you pour out on us. We're grateful for the love that you show us, for the grace that you give us. We're just glad, God, that we get to... that we get to bring all of who we are and all that we carry with us in life to you in moments like this. God, there are so many things that... uh, especially in this time where we are more isolated from many of the people around us. There's so many times when we, we feel like the weight of it is just crushing, God. Would you remind us in those moments that you are with us? Would you remind us that you love us? Would you remind us of the strength that you have for us? Would you give us that hope that what we're experiencing today is not all there is? and will not be all there is. God, thank you that when we come to you, we find strength for each day. We find mercy and grace, forgiveness for our sins. We find wisdom for knowing how to navigate all the the difficulties of life, the decisions that we have to make. We find joy, we find peace, and we find words to use when, when we're not experiencing any of those things. God, your Holy Spirit helps us to to cry out in our need out of faith, hope that you, God, hear our cries and that you answer. Thank you, God. Thank you for your amazing love for us that you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for this moment today when we get to gather, some in person, some virtually, when we get to gather together to worship you, to center our hearts and thoughts on you, to offer to you all that we are, all that we have, trusting in you, the God who made us, the God who loves us. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, Back in the old days, uh, pre-COVID, you know, this is when we used to like go around and greet each other and shake hands and all that good stuff. Since there are people in the room, you can actually go look around, look around, shake shake a hand, wave a hand, shake a hand at somebody. Shake your hand at somebody. You can't shake their hand. Uh, Shake your fist. Don't shake your fist. Yeah. Say hi from a distance, at least, to a handful of folks. And and welcome to all of you who who are with us online. Once you feel like you've at least put eyes on everybody in the room, you can have a seat. And, um, and thank you so much, Joe and Crystal, for leading us musically today. Um, it's, uh, it's a gift to have all of our musicians who have been willing to do this uh, during these stretches of time, especially when there's like nobody out here. It's a weird thing to sing to no one. Uh, it's a weird thing to talk to no one as a, as a preacher as well. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. And um, just a couple of announcements before this morning's message. Uh, Pastor Judy actually has the chance to preach to us today, uh, to share God's word that uh, he's laid on her heart, and to share some of what he has taught her over the years. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but uh, I get to do the announcements still. So, all right. <clears throat> you can go online to livinghope.info connect. 
You can fill out that digital connect card. If you're in the room, you can grab a little green card back by the offering box and fill that out, drop it in the box. Just lets, you, lets us know you were with us, gives you a chance to communicate any messages you want to send us, how we can pray for you, how we can thank God with you, um, who you're rooting for in the game this afternoon, whatever, okay? Uh, whatever you want to say to us, you can write it on that little connect card or at livinghope.info slash connect. And, uh, and if you want to give today, uh, thank you to all of you who have continued to faithfully give through all the weirdness of this last year. Uh, you can go to livinghope.info slash give to give online. Uh, you can, if you're here, you can drop something in the box. Uh, that is making a difference here and around the world. Uh, I look forward to every year we get to have like this annual meeting, uh, which for us usually happens at the end of February. So the last Sunday in February, we'll have this annual meeting. We don't know what form that's going to take exactly yet, since a whole bunch of you won't be able to be here in person. That's also the time when we uh, elect our church board for the coming year, and uh, we get an update on like how the past year has been for the church and all those kind of things. And so I look forward to sharing with you some of the uh, difference that you have made through your giving, through your serving, through your prayers, through your presence. Uh, so thank you. I'm looking forward to that. That's at the end of February. Um, what else did I have in there? Oh, pray. You can, uh, you can join us weekdays. Uh, we do a little daily prayer video. Uh, the last uh, Thursday and Friday was a little later than it was supposed to be. My fault. Uh, but uh, some of you have said that you found that very helpful. Uh, so wherever you're watching this right now, you can go there to watch those Monday through Friday. They're usually posted early in the morning so that if you're an early riser, you can have just five or ten minutes of uh, scripture, of reflection, of prayer. And, um, and there are a couple times in the week, too, where we join on Zoom to, to pray together face-to-face, -to -face, virtually or whatever, live, in person, uh, to get to do that, to pray together. So if you'd like to join us for that, that's great. Uh, one thing that some of you, those of you who walked in the door have noticed, or if you've been to our website, you've noticed, I don't have anything for the screen for this, but uh, uh, the month of February every year, we do a, uh, a collection that strikes some people as a little bit odd. Uh, instead of asking for dollars, we ask for bras. Uh, new bras, used bras, uh, doesn't matter. Uh, it's for a, a nonprofit ministry called Free the Girls, uh, where they take the bras that we donate and they ship them overseas to, I think there's three or four different places, uh, where they partner with groups who are helping women escape from uh, prostitution, from sex slavery, some of them having, having been trafficked, and uh, they're helping these women to establish themselves outside of that. They've already escaped from that, but now they need income, and so they take the bras that you donate and they sell them in the used clothing market. That's just one piece of what Free the Girls does, but it's a piece that we get to be a part of, and uh, uh, so for the next month, um, ask your friends, hey, hey, got any bras? And uh, I'd like them. I want them. I want your bras. Tell your friends you want their bras, all right? And then bring them to church next Sunday, uh, or you can drop them off anytime. The, the, the outer doors are open. You can drop them in the little uh, entryway there. Uh, there's a little drop-off box in there. And uh, if you're watching online, like I said, you can come anytime. There won't be anybody else here. Just swing by, drop those bras off in the drop-off box. And if you want to know more about that, go to freethegirls.org. I promise it's legitimate. It's not something we, I can, you never know when you're going to a website that, with a name like that. But freethegirls.org, it's, uh, it's a great ministry that uh, some of our a neighboring church of ours up in, uh, in Chesterton, actually, Doonland Community Church, uh, are some of the partners with that. That's, that's where all the bras end up, and then they get shipped from here around the world. So if you have questions about that or want to know more, uh, feel free to ask. Uh, also, yeah, you got a question right now. Yeah, I've got to find out what they're doing with those. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've got a couple of folks from church, Crystal and Mary, who have been up there. I've been up there for, they do these packing parties up in Chesterton where all the bras get dumped out on tables and sorted and packed away in boxes and taped up and put on pallets and prepared for shipment. And uh, I don't know what they're doing with that with the whole COVID thing. I think they're still having them, but I've got to, rem I've got to remind myself. So I'll find out and make sure I tell everybody, because uh, if you'd like to go and help actually 
with some hands-on help, you know, put, uh, put those, get those shipped and all that. You can also donate financially if you want. At freethegirls.org, there's a donate link. If you want to just help pay for some of the shipping costs, you can do that as well. So if you're like, I don't have any bras, or I like my bras, I'm not getting rid of any of these, or whatever you're thinking, but you do want to help, you can donate at freethegirls.org. Um, I did want to mention, too, that uh, for the season of Lent, which we're almost to, February 17th is Ash Wednesday, so that puts Mardi Gras February 16th, I think, is that right, Tuesday, Fat Tuesday, anyway, uh, that's the day you're supposed to eat all the bad stuff because you're about to start fasting for Lent. Um, So if you want to participate in that season in some way, uh, whether you give up anything or not, we've got a little devotional book that we want to give you. You can pick one up today if you're with us today or uh, if you're watching online. We wanna, if you got one of our Advent devotional guides that we gave out leading up to Christmas, you're on our list to make sure you get one of these books. Someone will be dropping it by your house uh, or something. If any of you want to volunteer to drop off books at people's houses, let me know. Um, but um, we'll make sure we get those to you. If you're here with us today, you can grab one off the table back there. And uh, if you want to check your name off the little list or write your name on there, if you're not on that list, uh, to let us know you got one, that's great. Uh, but those are going to start on February 17th and carry us through to Easter Sunday on April 4th, to, just so we can all be on the same page together. So you can know, hey, I'm reading the same thing that a whole bunch of other folks from my church are reading today. Uh, it's based on the Book of Common Prayer, so we're actually, if there are people out there that are reading the Book of Common Prayer's daily readings, then you're actually participating with Christians around the world. And, uh, and this is something put out by the Church of the Nazarene that we're a part of. And so at the very least, you know, you're going to be participating with like thousands of other people in churches of the Nazarene uh, around the world in reading these scriptures, reflecting on what God's saying to you. And on Sundays, uh, you'll already have a head start of knowing like, oh, so I know what scripture uh, pastor is going to be preaching from this Sunday. I can read it ahead of time. I can come ready to hear what God wants to say to us through these scriptures. So uh, make sure you grab one of those books before you go. I have talked way too much. Pastor Judy, please come on up and share with us what God has laid it on your heart to share with us today. Good morning. I'm going to be honest and tell you, I am really excited. I'm going to move this just a little bit. I'm a little taller than he gave me credit for. (laughs) Um, I am very excited to be here this morning. I finally get to meet a number of you face to face or mask to mask, whatever. Um, And I got to tell you, starting a new church in the middle of a pandemic is hard enough because we're wearing masks, it's hard to get together, that kind of thing, but um, doing it when we have to be meeting virtually is even harder because I don't even get the chance to meet people in person with masks on. So I am really looking forward to getting to know more and more people. I've gotten to know a few, there's some familiar faces in here already, Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to getting to know each of you and um, starting to build our lives together as, as a family, as a church family. My husband and I were at our previous church prior to here for 28 years. That's a pretty good stretch of time. (laughs) And uh, over the nearly three decades, and you know, when I say it like that, it makes me sound and feel really old. Three decades, whew. Um, Most of the people at that church eventually learned most of my story, bit by bit, okay? It occurred to me early on after arriving here at Living Hope that most of you had no idea who I even was. I don't think any of you know much of anything about my story. So this morning, I wanted to share just one little snapshot of how it is I came to be standing here this morning. I grew up in the church. I grew up in the Church of the Nazarene specifically. And my parents came to know and follow Jesus when I was just an infant. I'm pretty sure I was actually in the first service after my grand appearance that next Sunday morning. 
And one of my earliest memories of being in church was of the Van Kuygens. They were an older couple. We called them Grandma and Grandpa. And they had two daughters who were missionary nurses in Africa. And one Sunday, their daughter Marilyn was home. And uh, she was there on deputation. And because her parents attended the church, of course, she came to our church to talk to us about missions. Well, that afternoon, I went home with Grandma and Grandpa Van Kuygen for dinner and to spend some time with them. Now, I have no idea how this all worked out. I was about five years old at the time. I was just a little kid. Um, but I remember sitting in a chair in the living room with Marilyn. We were playing Barbies, and these were the old Barbies, the, the 1950s Barbies that she had had when she was a kid. Who knew now that they would be, like, collectible and valuable? But at the time, they were just toys, and I was enjoying some alone time. I had three younger siblings, so <laughs> I was getting some alone time with a grown-up that was really special. But during this afternoon, Marilyn at one point asked me, Judy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now that's not an unusual question to ask a kid, is it? We ask little kids all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a fireman, I want to be Spider-Man, I want to be a princess, I want to be a superhero, whatever. But I can remember this, this moment as clearly as if it happened just a, a week or a few weeks ago. My reply in that moment, and, and knowing in my little five-year-old heart that this was absolutely true, I turned to her and I said, I'm going to be a missionary nurse. Of course, she was a missionary nurse too, and, um, but I had no idea what that would entail. And I can tell you, I have no desire to be a nurse. Nurses, you have all of my respect. I, I, I can't even imagine. I could not be a nurse. And there's a few reasons, but I won't talk about them from here. Um, but. <laughs> But uh, nevertheless, the missions part of that was the, the calling that I knew, even as a very little girl, was going to play a primary role as I grew up. Now we're going to fast forward a few years, and I'm a young adult at Olivet Nazarene University. Um, <clears throat> I'm majoring in psychology because I wanted to be a counselor and help people. While a freshman student, I met a guy on a blind date. And yes, you guessed it. It was my husband, Phil, who's with us this morning. And he and I have been married for 35 years this coming May. Thank you, thank you. While I, while I desired during this time to know and do what God wanted me to do, I had tucked this memory of when I was so little away, way down deep in the recesses of my mind. I would occasionally hear about a mission opportunity and feel drawn to it, but it never seemed like the right time to act on it. So Phil and I got married, obviously, started a family, and we were going along just doing life, happy and contented with where we were and what we were doing. Now this seems like a lot of background, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's still a little more. Just hang in there with me for a minute, and I promise there's a point to all of this, okay? So about 15 years into our marriage, God started speaking to me. He started telling me he wanted me to prepare for ministry. Now, I'm going to be honest, this came totally out of the blue for me. I was not expecting it. I wasn't seeking it. I wasn't praying for it. I had no idea that this was coming, and I had no idea what area of ministry God was asking me to prepare for. I just knew I was supposed to prepare. 
So that's what I did. I was able to get information on what I needed to do to begin um, what our denomination calls a course of studies. It's something that can be done through our district, our church district. And so I started that process. I was given a local minister's license from the church, and then a year later, a district minister's license. A couple of years into the process of taking courses and serving in any way that I was able in my local church, the memory of that day when I was five years old kind of bubbled to the surface. It caught me off guard, honestly. Partly because I think I had tucked it away for such a long time that when it came back up, it surprised me. But it was then that I knew that missions were going to play a primary role in my calling. So once I remembered this call as a little girl, I, of course, started talking to my husband about it. It goes without saying I couldn't go into the mission field without him, right? I could, but that really wouldn't be the right thing to do. And our three kids were still pretty young. But in my opinion, it wasn't too early to start preparing, to start getting ready for what would eventually be our destiny, right? And that was all well and good, except that Phil had not heard the same message I had heard. In fact, he was doing what he always wanted to do. He was a funeral director at his family's funeral home. He was coaching soccer, helping to care for his grandma, and looking forward to when his parents would retire and he would take over the business. Well, this did not fit in with my plans. I mean the plans God told me he had for us, right? Um, but after some discussion, in a discussion, I finally told the Lord he was going to have to change Phil's mind because I was done trying. And I am sure Phil was very relieved at that point. <laughs> About this time, Phil and I had the opportunity to go on a work and witness trip to Brazil. Work and witness is a program that our denomination has where um, they take groups of people on short-term mission trips, a week or two weeks, and you do some work around a church or in a, a, a clinic or a, a school, and at the same time, you also share the gospel with people in that community. Um, and at that time when we did that, we both were bit by the missions bug. We still had different ideas about what that might look like, though. I, of course, was ready to spend an extended amount of time, possibly even the rest of my life, on the mission field. Phil, however, <laughs> only cared to do short-term projects like work and witness. When I asked him why, he was adamant that he couldn't, um, he couldn't live even a year or two on the mission field. His response was that he had too many responsibilities here. He had a family business he was becoming more and more responsible for. We had a house that would have been difficult to give up and then come back and try and find a, a new one. His parents were getting older. They would need more, him to assist them more and more. And his grandma was aging as well. And he needed to help his parents care for her. And all of thing, these things are good things, but I saw them as obstacles to us doing what I believe God had called us to do. So now we're several years into preparation for the ministry and whatever that was going to look like. And as all of that was happening with Phil and I, I was also struggling in another aspect of my calling. You see, we had a pastor at our church. This pastor was not very supportive of the calling I truly believed God had placed on my life. In fact, there were times he was downright discouraging. And I was really, really wrestling with my feelings. 
I was really in, they say now, I was really into my feelings on this. So I was, I was having trouble sitting under the authority of the man that God had placed in our church. And I was becoming resentful. That's not a good place to be. As a, as a believer, as someone called to ministry, living in a, in a place of a, with a resentful heart, just can't, it can't, it's not sustainable. Not and keep your relationship with the Lord um, healthy and growing and vital. So while that's going on inside me, at the same time there were circumstances happening in our lives, decisions that were being made that had to do with our business that we, Phil and I, had very little or no control over. Yet they had the potential to affect us tremendously. To say this was a stressful time is not an, an exaggeration at all. But there was a Sunday in July of 2005. I remember being in the morning service and the Holy Spirit was giving me what for. Have you ever been in one of those places or times when you know the Holy Spirit is just kind of like your mom, just kind of flicking you on the forehead? My mom did. My mom was a, she liked to flick us on, or the back of the head if we fell asleep during church. She was a good one for that. The Holy Spirit was giving me what for about my attitude. Now, I know it's hard to imagine when you, you folks, maybe some of you have gotten to know me, you could probably, I can get an attitude really fast. It's, it, and I pass that to my daughter who has passed that to our granddaughters. It's a real thing. But um, the Holy Spirit really was giving me what for about my attitude regarding this pastor, his lack of support, and the discouragement that I felt from him about my call to ministry. And so my answer to the Holy Spirit that morning kind of went along the lines of, well, what am I supposed to do? You put him here. This wasn't my idea, right? What do you expect me to do? And almost as if the Holy Spirit was standing next to me, he said, then give it up. What? <laughs> what do you mean, give it up? This was your idea in the first place. Give it up, was the gentle, gentle reply I received again. Fine. Done. I'll give it up. I'll give it up if it means I can sit under the leadership of a pastor that I am really struggling to respect. Now, before I go any further with this story, let me caution you. Be careful when you pray. Be careful that you really mean it when you're praying because God may very well take you up on it and answer your prayer. Because my prayer after that went a little something like this. <clears throat> I'll give it up, Lord, if that's what I need to do. And I meant that. In fact, I'm asking you to take everything from me that keeps me from being the woman you would have me to be. Take everything from Phil and I and our family that keeps us from being the people and the family you would have us to be. Now at that moment, I had no idea what I was really asking. It seemed like the right thing to pray. Though I had believed God had told me to prepare for ministry, I had I had to set it aside for the sake of being obedient in this area. 
So before I go any further, I want to make a disclaimer though, okay? This is a disclaimer. I don't believe that the events that followed this Sunday morning happened because of what I prayed that morning. I believe they were going to happen regardless of what I said to God or what I prayed or, or what happened that morning. But what that conversation with the Holy Spirit did was it put me in the right heart posture for what was going to happen and what was coming ahead. Within a year of that Sunday, our family business had to close. We lost our home as a result. Can't pay the bill if you don't have a job, right? <laughs> Phil's grandma had passed away. Then his mother passed away. And Phil was actually facing some legal ramifications due to the closing of the business. It was rough, y'all. <laughs> we were broken. I'd never have been so broken before that, and I have not been as broken since. And I, because of all of this, I really began searching God's word for some sort of hope in this. In that search, I came on, uh, upon the book of Lamentations. In chapter 3, it starts like this. I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all of the light. He has turned his hand against me again and again, all day long. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in dust. Peace has been stripped away and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words, and I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. In Psalm 13, there was also a couple of verses there. It says, O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me. How many of you have <laughs> said to God, give me an answer right now? You know, David in this psalm was saying the same thing. Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. This is how broken we were. How broken I was at this time. And this passage in Lamentations especially expressed my emotions and my struggle at this time. I was really, really battling to believe that this was really going to do what God wanted to do in my heart and life. Now, the next parts of those verses, of those passages, gave me the hope that I clung to. And when I say I clung to, I was a man, a woman, not a man, I was a woman holding on for dear life to the end of a rope over a cliff. It felt that desperate. In Lamentations 3, starting at verse 21, this is what I clung to. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each and every morning. 
I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. And in Psalm 13, there was two more verses. It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. The hope that I found in these passages, especially in Lamentations, was what got me through this season of loss and brokenness. I can remember going into the shower. Some of you have been around long enough. You remember the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, the old hymn? Okay, I'm not the only one. That's good. <laughs> I would sing that in the shower day after day after day. It was the scripture from Lamentations. And it spoke to my soul in a way that gave me hope for one more day, a little more time, that God was going to redeem all of this. Now, there's more to the story. There, there, I'm only giving you the very tip of the iceberg of all of this. But suffice it to say that had I not had the Lord to depend on, I don't think I would have made it through. Now, I wish I could tell you that within a couple of years, everything was okay. Our family was back to normal, and we just went on with the happy life we'd had prior to all of this stuff happening. But that's not what happened at all. The closing of, of our funeral home created legal ramifications that we had to deal with. Plain and simple, we had to do it. Life kept on going. Life doesn't stop when we're broken, does it? I, so, do you ever wish it would just for me? It's like, let me just catch my breath for a second and figure something out because I just need a minute. But that doesn't happen. Life kept on going. Our kids grew up. They went away to college and joined the army and graduated from high school and did all the things that happen in a family. And some of those changes compounded our loss. You know, it, it's not fun to have your kids go away to college. <laughs> I missed them, you know. I, I'll be honest, we dropped our first one off at college, I cried. It was, it was ugly. But those, those are things are just natural part of life. And still through all of this, I clung to the hope I found in God's word. Good things happened to us and for us. Phil and I could see God's hand at work in our lives and we had a peace and joy and contentment that can only come from the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit had been healing our brokenness through all of this. Now we're gonna fast forward a little bit to 2010, 2011. I promise it's not gonna be too much longer, okay? Hang in there. I know if we've gone from 1971 ish to 2010 2011 now okay we've spanned a few decades but there was a new pastor and wife team at our church and the pastor's wife and I got to be friends and when I told her this story she encouraged me that now was the beginning of a new season and I needed to finish my studies for ordination that I had given up six or so years beforehand her words confirmed for me what I had been sensing from the Holy Spirit it was time to once again prepare for ministry. The Holy Spirit had been gently nudging me, so I did a bit grudgingly at first. I went back, re-enrolled in the course of studies, and finished my, um, my classes I needed to take. 
I also applied for and was given a district minister's license once again and continued to serve in whatever capacity I was given at the church. And as before, we were contented. We were living in the peace and joy that only comes from the Holy Spirit. That, however, is not the end of the story. You see, I believe God had planned all along to redeem our story and to restore us in ways we never could have imagined. Mind you, we didn't get back everything we lost. That's not even realistic. But we did receive God's best for us for what was ahead, not what was behind. In 2018 and 2019, as a result of another loss, Phil and I were gifted an inheritance. It was a gift, and it was a, something we never expected. But this allowed us to do some things we never imagined we would have been able to do. We were able to give generously. We'd always given with glad hearts, but this time we could be more than generous, even. We were able to bless our children just a little bit. We eliminated some obligations that had been very stressful for us, including some of the legal ramifications, legal things that happened as a result of closing the business. I was able to go back to university and complete my bachelor's degree. And the biggest blessing was being able to once again purchase our own home. As we moved into the house where we live now, I remember standing there as, as we were moving in, it was chaos, let me tell you. But I remembered all that we had lost leading up to this point. And it was 15, 16 years from beginning to end. This wasn't a couple of years. God's timing doesn't look like we expect it to sometimes. Sometimes it takes a lot longer. Hang in there, okay? But I remembered all that we had lost, all that we needed to lose so that we would know what it was to live fully surrendered, fully obedient, and fully dependent on God and God alone. But I also could not help but praise God for all we had gained in that time. We gained a son, a son-in-law and daughters-in-law, and at that point a grandchild. Now we have grandchildren, now they're multiple. And if you want to know about them, I have pictures in my phone, I'll show you later. <laughs> we gained a fuller understanding of who God is and how much he loves and cares for his children. We had firsthand knowledge of God's mercy and grace that both are so undeserved, yet given so, so generously. So that kind of catches us up to today. I'd like to say that I'm currently preparing to be a full-time missionary, but that's not the plan right now. I'm standing here. Phil and I continue to participate in short-term mission trips and love the times that we have been able to travel overseas to assist our fellow Nazarenes as they minister in their communities. Perhaps someday we'll have a, an opportunity to be full-time missionaries, but not right now, and that's okay. You see, God gave me a missionary heart through that, a heart to minister to my community along with a congregation, this congregation. This last year and a half that I served at, our, at the previous church we attended, God taught me and revealed to me the kind of pastor he wanted me to be. 
And he uniquely gifted me through some really kind of difficult times in that church. And so today I stand here as your associate pastor, really new at this, so there's a little learning curve. I just ask that you be gracious <laughs> and patient. <laughs> you have shown to be such so far, so I expect no, no different. And I consider it a privilege to be here, a privilege to serve each of you and to serve with each of you as we reach out to those in our communities who are rejected, marginalized, and downtrodden with the good news that there is a God who loves them as we demonstrate his love to them. Now as I close, I have no doubt, no doubt, some of you are going through a difficult time right now, today. A time of loss, a season of not understanding what on earth God is trying to accomplish in your life. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to get into the scriptures, get into the Bible, and find that verse or that passage that you can cling to in hope that God is doing a good work through all of it. I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit for the peace and joy and contentment only he can give as you live out the season. I encourage you to live in surrender and obedience to whatever it is the Lord is asking of you during this time. And I encourage you to find that person who will be the voice of wise biblical counsel in your life, who will point you to God, walk with you as you navigate these difficulties. I can tell you from firsthand experience that God desires to redeem your circumstances, no matter how difficult they are, and then use them to refine you as he refined us, as he refined me, and develop you into the man or woman he fully intended you to be. God is in the business of redeeming. He's been doing the work of redemption since the fall of humanity into sin. Way back at Adam and Eve, God started the work of redemption in the world. That's why he sent his son. That's why his son had to die so that we could be redeemed. And he is not going to stop doing that work until his return, whenever and however that is. And I can tell you firsthand that you can trust him as you travel the road you're on right now, this moment, no matter what you're facing, the good, the bad, or the ugly, you can trust him. And when you're on the other side of this time, I have one last encouragement. I encourage you, to give God the glory for the great things he has done. Amen and amen. Now pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.
Whew, thank you, Pastor Judy. Uh, if you're participating from home, uh, if you haven't already, now's a great time to gather bread and juice or something, something close to that. If you're with us here in the room, then on the table or on the chairs are these little cups that we'll uh, be opening later to, to get the, at the bread and the juice. But uh, let's bow our heads and let's pray before we get there. God, thank you. <laughs> thank you for these encouraging words, this encouraging message uh, that you have shared with us through Pastor Judy, the ways that you've been at work in her life and uh, that remind us of all the ways that you have been at work in our own lives, God. This work of redemption that you have been doing forever, that you are desiring to do now in our lives if we will trust in you. Help us, God, to turn to you in those moments of confusion, those moments of despair, those moments of grief. In those moments, God, would you remind us that we are not alone, that you meet us right there. This sacrament of communion that we're going to celebrate in just a moment remind us of this Jesus when we think of you giving your life your body broken your blood poured out you were at this lowest point I mean from the cross you cried out in the words of Psalm 22 my God my God why have you forsaken me so when we find ourselves in those places of feeling forsaken of feeling broken where everything in our lives that was good seems to be gone God, would you help us to sense the presence of Christ there with us? Would you help us to reach out to you and be reminded that the worst thing is never the last thing? That, Jesus, you showed us that that death doesn't have the final say. Sin doesn't have the final say. Enemies don't have the final say. Loss does not have the final say. Grief, God, you have the final say. Your grace and your love will have the final word in our lives. And just as you raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you will also raise us to new life. You will, you will share your life and your grace and your goodness with us. And we get to experience the beginnings of that eternal life here and now. God, today uh, we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice And we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. God, we offer you ourselves. Whether right now we feel broken or whether right now we feel whole, God, we offer ourselves to you. Trusting that by your Spirit's work in our lives, we might experience your grace, your transforming love as you forgive our sins, as you embrace us as your children, you also send us out into this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and your feet. Thank you, God, for the transformation that you work in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, in our lives. Help us. Help us to to lean into you, to, to look to you, to look to Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he uh, had that Passover meal with his disciples. He took the bread and he gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread. After the meal, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them and said, This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement between God and humanity. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Thank you, God, 
for giving yourself to us in your son, Jesus Christ, and showing us in him the depths of love that you have for us. Thank you, God, that we don't have to wonder if you love us, if you're with us. We, we can know it, God, beyond a shadow of a doubt, because we see it there in Jesus. So fill us today with the, with the spirit of Christ, we pray, so that we might live in this world as your kids, as members of your family, sharing your love and your grace with the people that you send us to this week. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.